Welcome to the Best Player Wins Podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. Uh, I'm your host, Jake Deemer, but before we get started today, I I have to just talk about, talk through something. Um, so we came into, I came into Sunday with a chance to win, a very tough matchup if you've been paying attention to our league. This past week with Jordan, uh, really wanted to win this one after... I had to listen to the previous episode of the podcast, which was basically just an hour of slander towards my team. So this was setting up to be the perfect little revenge game for me. However, uh, it had been a very hard fought matchup. We were one and two in scoring heading into Sunday. I had a 24 point lead on Jordan, but he did have the four two starter advantage. Someone was going to get unlucky. That was just the reality of the situation. So my Sunday starts off, Charlie Morton pitches out of his mind, but the Braves bullpen falters. Once the the later games start, I'm now trailing Jordan by 10 points, but then it happens. Craig Kimbrell, the guy that I traded arguably my best keeper for, along with Kevin Gosman, who got hurt. I hope his ankle is okay, but that's beside the point. Craig Kimbrell was in that deal. He enters a game, a 2-1 game, gets one out, gives up three runs, Negative 17 points, blown save plus lost strikes again. I, have, I now have no shot for the win. Uh, and I had already been bitten earlier this week with Taylor Rogers with his own blown save plus loss. My point is, rid the scoring system of this abomination of a stat that should not be counted against a reliever, even though it's completely his fault. ESPN should be ashamed of themselves that this scoring was allowed on their platform because if we remember, this is ESPN's fault. Make no mistake. We had started on ESPN. This was part of their default fantasy baseball scoring. This is entirely their fault. Just, I, I want this, this stat out of my league, out of the, out of the sport. And frankly, it has no place in fantasy baseball society. So moving past that, Let's, I guess, get started with the show. So my guest today is Jeremy Moore. Very impassioned, Jake. I mean, just, I, I have no words. I, my heart goes out to you and, and your team. Yeah, so forgive me if I am in a foul mood hosting this podcast after being subjected to Craig Kimbrell and his BS for two, it's been too many times. So let's get into the prior week recap. We're, we're going to start with the two big takeaways. Give me your first. Uh, so my first is going to be in a competitive league. Consistency will be the key to success down the stretch and in the playoffs. Uh, this one comes with a bonus fun fact in matchups, 10, 11, and 12. So like the last three weeks, uh, no one has repeated as the top scoring team, but Nate, however, has finished with the second highest score in all three. If he keeps this up, he's my clear favorite to win just as my hot takes predicted. I can see that. Um, I think he's probably to consider him the favorite right now. Just because of what you said. I don't think he's lost in a long time either, either to the median or head to head. But my first takeaway is I think we're going to be in for our 
for a very boring trade deadline in a post-trade limit world. Uh, I don't really see many pieces on sellers left to go. I know that Eddie is kind of, if you're going to, I don't even know if he's planning on selling or not. I think he said in the group chat, he might be, uh, but it sounds like those are going, those are those pieces, those dominoes are going to fall relatively soon. And I don't really think there's going to be anything left to do by the trade deadline. So I think we're in for a very boring one in our just first, first taste of what that'll be like uh, without the trade deadline. Give me your second big takeaway. So this one is a more of a bigger picture takeaway rather than like what I learned this past week. Uh, I think I've settled on a new approach to keepers in this league. In past years, I've gone for a volume approach, like trading for as many potential keepers as I could roster pretty much. Like if I had a guy who was hot on waivers, I would get rid of him for a keeper at the deadline. But this year, after a big month of sellers and buyers, I made exactly two keeper moves, uh, which I'm pretty sure is the fewest among the selling teams. Um, but I I like my keeper pool quite a bit. I think it's one of the better ones going into next season. Uh, I think a more focused approach to trading for keepers is a better way of going about it than just trying to add as many keepers as you can. You can only keep five and then a sixth in the expansion. Um, after six or seven guys, I think the diminishing returns you get on the keeper depth just doesn't, it just doesn't seem worth it to me. Yeah, I completely agree with you. This is sort of how I've always approached keepers. I don't really see a point in stockpiling a bunch of them because you can't keep them all. And I'd rather have, I'd rather have the, the better team and try to make playoffs or be competitive than just trade because a guy can be kept. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, I, I don't know. I, I think you really only need like six, maybe seven. if You want to be extra careful, but you, you don't really need more than that. Back, back at the beginning of the league, I think there was an argument for like the, the keeper stockpile because there was no expansion draft. So if you didn't keep them, no one else could keep them either. So it kind of, you know, undercuts other teams in the league basically with that approach. And I think the other thing that changed is the expanded playoffs and the fact that fantasy is 70% luck. So like if you make the playoffs, anything can happen really. So yeah, I, I, I think both of those changes really undercut the, you know, overcapping your keeper pool uh, strategy by a lot. My second big takeaway is a real quick one. It's just the final interleague play uh, record. The East still reigns supreme, 19 to 17. That's our interleague play for this year. It's hardly the hardly a blowout, but uh, East is the winner. If anybody was was curious about that, there was a three three split, <laughs> three three split last week. So. East reign supreme, we get the bragging rights. Um, I don't really know why we would use them, but they're there if the situation calls. Uh, so let's go to the wild card race update. Uh, in the seventh seed right now, the NFTs, Justin, he's at 13 and 11. Eddie is still hanging on to that number eight seed. 
uh, eight and 16. He holds the tiebreaker over Brendan. Uh, they are both eight and 16, but Eddie has the, the points for advantage. Jared, when you were only one game back, seven and 17, uh, Mike is two, Mike is two games back and Scott is three. I mean, that's everybody in our league. So they're, I mean, really we don't have anyone technically eliminated yet. Uh, I don't really see Scott or Mike climbing, but it's still very possible that they could. So that is our wild card race update. That number eight spot is still pretty wide open. Uh, so let's get into the trades. We have a couple, um, a few bigger ones. Uh, the first one, Jerowin, involves you. Uh, you gave Brandon Woodruff and Tim Anderson. Sam gave Dylan Cease. Why don't you walk us through your thoughts on this one? Yeah, so I had Brandon Woodruff coming back, and uh, I was pretty comfortable with my keeper pool being Jacob, Tyler, uh Michael, Eric, and Tarek, but the latter three kind of fell off in the month of June. So I wanted to to add another arm to that sort of as better insurance and you know the a motivator to let these these other guys know like hey your your job's not locked in, right? You gotta you gotta perform. Um but anyways I I looked around the league looking for like other keeper pitchers. Dylan Cease, obviously one of the one of the better pitchers with a really good discount. Um, I looked at other options. I think I just liked Cease the best. He was the most proven among among the players that I was looking at and making offers for. And uh just adding Tim Anderson, I liked. I liked the deal given CS's keeper eligibility. Oh, and and a, f- a final note: if you follow the trade tree, I basically traded uh, Trey Turner and Luis Castillo for Dylan Cease because these are the two players I got for those two players back earlier in the season. So that's always a fun game. We'll have to do like a trade tree segment at some point. That'd be very interesting. Uh, my thoughts were kind of similar to yours. I, I like Dylan. I mean, I like Dylan Cease as a keeper. I still am not super enthused by his year this year. As good as it's been, he has not really corrected any of the things that I was hoping that he would. But he's still a very good keeper. Uh, Woodruff is excellent. Anderson is excellent. I think this is just a good trade. Uh, another one involves Sam. Sam gives Austin Riley and Brendan Davis. Mike gives Fernando Tatis Jr. and Brian Reynolds. The Tatis trade talks finally come to a conclusion. And also, I want to say, with with him trading away Fernando Tatis Jr., I was officially right in one of my bold predictions. Uh, But back to the trade. What were your thoughts on this one? Uh, I think I mentioned it in the group chat. I don't really see Brendan Davis as much of a factor in this. Like you might as well have just done Austin Riley for those two guys. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Austin Riley is a good, is a good keeper. He's not lighting the world on fire or anything, but he's third base eligible and he's got a really good discount. And, you know, maybe he 
improves throughout the year. He's a really young guy, so that that's definitely a possibility. So he he could end up being a pretty solid keeper for Mike. Um, Tatis, obviously, his he's not swinging a bat at full strength yet. He's still like a week or two away from that. So like maybe August is when he shows up. And I mean, Sam's basically in the playoffs already, so he doesn't have much to worry about. He can, he can afford to wait on Tatis. So that's a good ad. The, the thing I'm the Brian Reynolds moving, he's got a huge discount and he also had like a really strong June. Um, Not, the again not lighting the world on fire or anything but i mean all he has to do is be on par with austin riley for the rest of the year which i think is totally possible and he would be a better keeper than austin riley so i mean if that ends up happening mike's now given up brian reynolds uh alejandro kirk Andrew Vaughn and Carlos Rodon, like that would have been a phenomenal set of four keepers, but all those guys are no longer on his team now. Yeah. I don't think Brendan Davis is really a factor at all. Um, He's just like, I I don't, I don't think he carries any value for this year or as a keeper, really. Uh, I like Austin Riley, but I don't, I guess I don't really see him as too much of, I don't see him as very different. Like as a, and if we're making tiers of keepers, I think him and Brian Reynolds are in the same tier. So I don't know that this was necessarily Mike trading up to get a good keeper. I like Riley. The problem with Riley is his, he strikes out a lot and he doesn't walk too much and that's going to hold him back in our format. And uh, I think he's probably more good than great. It helps that he's a third base because that is you always I mean good than great is that's still very good at third base, but I just I guess like I don't really see a huge difference in keeper value between him and Brian Reynolds. I mean, I don't know that we're really expecting much from Tatis. I think anything he gives you might be kind of a bonus because the nature of his injury and lack of a timetable and it just doesn't sound the the news regard surrounding him has not really been very positive, but I still will stick with my my analysis here that I, I don't think Riley and Reynolds are that are that different. So I, I I give the win to Sam. Another interesting thing about Sam though is it doesn't seem like he's making trades without getting back a keeper in return, which is I just thought was interesting. I'm wondering if he makes any more trades if that'll still be a strategy that he goes with. But just the early returns, it does look like that's something that he's kind of put an emphasis on that is true that is true but tim anderson is same round as corbin burns so that's the same as not adding a keeper that is fair i didn't know that that's i i was in our negotiations i was gonna try and like upsell tim anderson a bit to sam because you know he tim anderson's a pretty good keeper still but then i saw he's the same round and i was like that's not gonna work on sam so i just i just treated him as a normal player let's move into the the biggest trade in terms of volume uh i gave up mike clevenger dustin may and carlos correa 
And Scott gave me Nolan Arenado and Jose Barrios. What are your thoughts on this one? I think this one's interesting. Obviously, Arenado being an upgrade at third base is big. That's a good ad for you. Jose Barrios, obviously, we're banking on him improving from where he's been at. And if if you're a, a pitcher list fan, you know him as the great undulator. So perhaps he goes on a tear and normalizes that really bad ERA to you know mid threes, which means he's gonna be like unhittable for a month and a half eventually, right? But I don't know. It's it's tough to say whether that's going to happen or not. Maybe he's just lost it in, in some way, and it's not always easy for guys to find it. Um, I think my thing here is I don't, I'm not convinced that Jose Barrios, his value is going to be greater than the value that Mike Clevenger and Dustin may have even rest of this season like Clevenger they both have their question marks Dustin May's supposed to be starting rehab assignments soon and he's coming off of Tommy John so we don't know exactly how good he's going to be when he gets back Clevenger's obviously been off to a slow start since returning from injury but he was really good in his last start and not just like oh he put up a good line like every like great CSW great swing strike rate like vintage Clevenger in his last start (coughs) excuse me but um I I don't know I I could see one or both of those guys outperforming Barrios rest of season even if if Barrios doesn't get it back together and then on top of that Carlos Correa is a pretty good keeper as well I, I like the return for you, especially with Arenado, but I don't know. I think I think Scott got a lot here, and I, I, I think I like the trade for him more. Yeah, I had to give up quite a bit to get Arenado, but I sort of needed a third baseman in the worst way, and uh, Arenado always kind of felt like a fit for my team. Just I know that Scott like liked some of the guys that I had, and I just, it just took a while to make it happen, but Arenado felt like that was kind of the way that was going to go. I, I don't really like Jose Barrios. I just needed an extra body. And after giving up uh, Clevenger, I think I, ju- I just had, um, I just had Bassett go on the injured list at the time. So I wasn't real keen on, you know, giving up Mike Clevenger and not getting another starter in return. So that's just the one that I, thought it's weird to say it probably has the most upside because Barrios doesn't we don't really think of him as a ceiling pitcher but uh, I'd prefer I'd feel more confident in him than Michaelis or Walker who would have been the other two options so that's the one I went with he's hopefully I won't have to start him but he's more of a depth option all right let's move on to the the final trade this one was more on the, the smaller side so Nick gave Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Christopher Morrell Scott gave Teoscar Hernandez and Harrison Bader. Uh, Harrison Bader was already cut. I guess he was only there for to balance out the salaries. I, I can't think of anything else why he would be there. 
But uh, so basically this trade is just Hernandez for Guriel and Morel. What were your thoughts on this one? I'll, I'll just be honest. I don't like this trade. I think it's bad. And there's a couple of reasons. First, Harrison Bader, I looked at the timestamps. It was less than an hour that he was on his team. So I don't, I, I don't understand why, like, if you don't care enough about a guy to say, like, I'm not going to drop him within an hour, then why are you asking for him? I think on the opposite side, Christopher Morell for Scott, a selling team, does nothing. He wasn't drafted. He's not capable. And he's okay as a player, I guess. Um, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., he's been better over the last month. He's been really good over the last month, actually. I think it was 3.1 points per game. So, like, really hitting the ball well in June. And he's got good keeper value. And I think him for Teoscar Hernandez straight up, who's kind of streaky. He's he's shown both sides of him this year already with like really slow start, but then got really hot for a bit there. I think he's kind of cooled off, but I, I think those two guys for each other straight up makes a little bit of sense. But unfortunately, I looked into it more. First of all, Lord, Lord Scuriel is uh, a trade tree incest because... <laughs> He Scott traded him to Nick earlier in the year. Nick dropped him twice and picked him back up and then traded him back to Scott. That just, that feels gross. But I mean, if you like the guy, you like the guy and you trade for him. I don't, I don't blame Scott for that. What, I, what I do blame him for a little bit is Lourdes Gurriel is 20th round and Julio Rodriguez is 21st, which means next season they're both 16th round. So he can't keep Lourdes Gurriel and Julio Rodriguez next season. And I, I think that's probably just an oversight by Scott, but I think it really just puts a giant hole through this trade. Yeah, I mean, I guess on its face, Gurriel for Hernandez feels fine, but I don't know. There's... There were some other factors there, but I, I think it's fine. It's a kind of a small scale trade. I don't think Hernandez is going to uh, be the difference maker with too many matchups. I don't know that he's, I don't know that he's really even going to start much in Nick's loaded outfield either. He might be just more of a depth option for him. So let's move on to the main portion of the podcast, and this is going to be guess the player, and it is we're going to use. Mostly stats from the last 30 days. I tried to pick guys who had either been uh, underperforming early or maybe guys that we haven't talked about so much who have been really hot over the last month. So basically, here's how it will work. Um, Jerwin, I'm going to give you a couple clues as the player. And you will, when you're guessing the player, you're going to say, what is so-and-so? If you don't, you don't get it right. It's just the rules. Jeopardy rules. Yeah. Got it. Uh, if you want, you have the option to buy the team they play for, as in just an extra hint. That can either be the fantasy team they play for in our league or the team they play for in Major League Baseball. You can just say you have the option to buy either one, but not both. Uh, I don't think up these rules. I just, you know, I just 
it just it's just here. This is how we're going to play it. So are we, are, you, are we clear on how this is going to start? Everybody can everybody can follow along at home. Can you get it better? Can you get it faster than Jerowin did? Uh, Jerowin, are you ready to play? Uh, a couple things. One, am I permitted to say who is rather than what is since we're talking about human beings? Absolutely. Okay, thank you. Uh, okay, I, I am ready. It is clear. I will also say as a disclaimer, people listening at home, you're probably going to beat me at this. I do not expect to be good. <laughs> All right, without further ado, our first player. You're ready for your clues. I'm ready. He is the current starting pitcher 17, but over the last 30 days is the starting pitcher two. This recent success can be attributed to switching to a more sinker slider based approach as a, as opposed to his fastball slider approach from last season. All right. That's hint one. I think so I can make my guess, right? Yes, you can. Uh, this sounds to me like Robbie Ray, uh, who's, like you said, I, I know that he's made the switch to adding a sinker to his game, which has helped him in the, the home runs and batting average department really uh, upped his game. So Robbie Ray is my guess. That's not the official guess the way I told you to guess. Oh, you're right. Who, who is Robbie Ray? That is correct. It is Robbie Ray who wears the tightest pants in the sport. Uh, ever, ever since switching to a sinker slider approach, he is the current starting pitcher too over the last 30 days. Uh, the strikeout totals aren't quite where they were um, last season, but very encouraging for a guy that we kind of thought, we, I think we all just said he was a bust. But he's really turned it around recently, and there is an approach change. I'm normally a hater of sinkers, but uh, it looks like it's working for him. Any thoughts on Robbie Ray? Yeah, I, I agree. Like, it's weird hearing about someone throwing sinkers more and it actually being a good thing, at being, being a Pirates fan and knowing how poorly that usually goes. But I, I think rather than like switching to be like a pitch to contact guy overall, he's just making an adjustment and it's more of a tweak to hit a balance between high strikeouts and high home runs and, and lots of, lots of hits that he was struggling with earlier in the season as well as getting walks down. So like, it's a it's a trade off, but I think he's he's striking the balance well. All right, are we ready for the second player? I am. The current starting pitcher twenty one, but over the last thirty days is averaging sixteen point six points per game, a two point seven three ERA. Even more impressive is that this player went undrafted. And looks to finally be figuring things out with a new team. Who went undrafted? This one is a tougher one. Uh, 
I think I'm going to have to listen to a second clue on this one. The second clue. While this player has been a fantasy non-factor for about two years, he had been regarded as a fantasy super sleeper back in 2019 when it was him and Shane Bieber who were all the rage as potential pitcher sleepers. Him and Shane Bieber, that's quite a, a name drop for this guy. I do do I get do I get to listen to more clues if I make a guess and get it wrong? Uh sure. I'm making up these rules as I go along. Fair. Okay. I I think this I'm not a hundred percent confident about this. I think my guess man, he, he might not fit into either of these two hints. He might have been bad in the last month and I wasn't paying attention, but my guess is going to be my, who is Miles Michaelis? That is incorrect. Would you like to buy a team? Uh, I'll buy, I'll buy a major league baseball team. Okay. I'm going to do, I'm going to make this even better here. His team right now is the Boston Red Sox. His team back in 2019, when he was, all the rage was the Philadelphia Phillies. I th- okay. I think I might know this one now and it makes more sense. Uh, just running through my Rolodex of Boston, 90% of them are, are on the IL right now. So uh, who is Pavetta. Is it Nick Pavetta or Mike Pavetta? Nick? It is Nick Pavetta. There we go. That is correct. Nick Pavetta finally figuring it out, sort of. Uh, Not quite the way that we thought he might, but that's okay. He's been very good. Uh, I don't think he's really regarded as having the potential that he he once did when we were really excited about him as maybe the next uh, future ace next to he was mentioned. It was I remember 2019. It was uh, it was him and Shane Bieber. And those were the two the two big potential breakouts. Uh, but only one of those guys really broke out. But Nick Pavetta is having having himself a very nice season, and um, really good for him. Like I, I, it's always nice to see pitchers who you know they fail in one spot and then kind of able to figure it out elsewhere. I say that as a Pirates fan who's experienced that quite a bit. Over and over and over. All right, so here's this next one. This SPARP is the RP10 over the past 30 days, but he's the RP1 on the year with 245.5 fantasy points, a 234 ERA, and 15.34 points per game besting in all of those besting even the marks of podcast darling Nestor Cortez that's that's a really well crafted hint because my first thought is obviously Nestor Cortez um goodness in mind this is a spark yeah I don't know that I 
am keenly aware. You said first overall it, in the last month, right? He's, so he's the 10th overall reliever over the past 30 days, but he is, he is the top overall reliever on the year. Okay. Hmm. I, I'm going to have to go to guess or uh, hint two. Hint two. This veteran left-hander is a career journeyman, but he's more of a volume guy. He has produced 12 quality starts this year, which is fourth in the major leagues. A journeyman. Like journeyman means he's been on a bunch of teams, right? Yes. Okay. So that rules out Severino, who's been with the Yanks forever. This is more of an unheralded guy. Yeah. Keep that in mind. Huh. Uh, I'm going to have to move on to hint three. Would you like to buy a team? I'll, I'll, I'll buy a Lel team. And he plays for the NFTs. Goodness. I'm not familiar enough with Justin's team. Um, that would be a problem trying to I, guess this player <laughs> I know I should know it I'm going to be upset when I hear it yeah lay it on me Jake I'm sorry Jared when you did not get this one Martin Perez Ugh. of the Martin, Martin Hacken Perez yes he has been Really, really quietly very good this year. And, uh, I mean, it has been mostly volume, but you, you really can't complain with what he's done. He's, yeah. like I said, we've talked, we've raved all year about Nestor Cortez, and Martin Perez has been better. Yeah, that's, that is, uh, that's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah, very good pick. I believe he was, uh, he also went undrafted. So this was also, you know, this was a waiver pickup by JC and a very, very good one. Just got to ride it out. Hope he, hope he uh, continues. All right, that brings us to our fourth player. This shortstop and surprise keeper from last season is the shortstop four on the year, but the shortstop three over the last 30 days. While he has never been regarded as an elite fantasy option, he has always, he's always been one of those glue guys that's just consistently rostered. Hmm. Um, since I since I'm allowed to continue going after getting a wrong guess, I, my instincts say that I should ask who is Tim Anderson. That is incorrect. I will give you your second hint. This gorgeous man was a former first overall pick in the in the MLB draft by the Diamondbacks who was then traded away in the same year he was drafted in what is now known as the infamous Shelby Miller deal. Goodness, that's too far back for me to remember in detail. 
I know I've heard of the Shelby Miller deal. Also realizing now that Tim Anderson has been hurt for like the last month, so he's not high on the, the rankings for June. I wasn't going to judge that guess, but if I did, uh, that was a pretty bad guess. It was a pretty bad guess, yeah. I just love Tim Anderson. He was a keeper, a surprise keeper at that. Hmm. Drafted by the Diamondbacks, traded away. I don't remember who Shelby Miller was playing for. I do I do have a second guess. And this one makes more sense because he hasn't been hurt and he has been good. Uh, and he was kept this year. Uh, who is Dansby Swanson? It is Dansby Swanson. That is correct. Dansby has actually has been like quietly outstanding this year. Uh, I know that a lot of shortstops have kind of disappointed. I'm looking at Correa, Seager, uh, Story, a lot of the guys that we've really thought have been kind of that elite middle tier at shortstop. But Dansby has been, always been one of those guys that I feel like we've sort of been like, oh, Dansby Swanson's my shortstop. I guess that's fine. But he's been really good this year. And good for him, too, because he's in a contract year. But, yeah, he's also extraordinarily handsome. So I, I think that that probably gave it away right there. That's true. A fun, interesting thing about Dansby Swanson is I had him in 2020, kept him for 2021, dropped him. He got hot. Someone picked him up. And obviously, as just stated, someone kept him this year. And that was Mike he who was, kept him, by the way. He was dropped again this year and has gotten hot and is picked back up. If he gets picked up again, or if he gets kept again, he and then like is terrible next season, I'm pretty sure that would be the first three year keeper to also be dropped in all three years that he was kept. That would be just. That would just be a banger league history fact if that happened. It would so. be, it would be, I'm I, like, I want him to be good. It would be fine if he was just good from now on. That would be nice. But it would also be such a banger of a league, league history fact. I'm kind of rooting for it too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you're, you're doing pretty well so far. I, I got to say, I was not expecting quite this many guesses to be correct. I think I I listen to the CBS fantasy baseball podcast a lot. And that's where like a lot of this is coming from. I'm surprising myself as well. All right. So there our next player, a career journeyman, this multi-positional player and waiver pickup is currently third base nine on the year and is averaging 3.12 points per game over the last 30 days. Oh, goodness. That was a, okay. That was a short-ish hint. I have... There's a reason for that. I have a guess, and that's partly based on the fact that it was a short hint. I'm going to guess it's my guy, who is Brendan Drury. I didn't hear that guess. What was that? Who is Brendan Drury? That is correct. It is Brendan Drury. 
My next hint was going to be he plays for arguably the worst team in baseball, both in real life and in our fantasy league. That probably, so, But I'm glad that you got him before I had to slander your team like that. Yeah, good thing you didn't have to slander my team like that. Thanks, Jake. <laughs> yeah, it's Brandon Jury. Uh, excellent waiver pickup. He's actually been – I mean, it's not just the, 30, the last 30 days. He's been good for long before that. He's uh, – He's in that same tier of player, I think, as like Martin Perez. Maybe not. Uh, Perez has been like outstanding, and Brandon Drew has been like, you know, a starting caliber player. But still, especially at third base, he's just like, I don't think if I try to trade him, I'm gonna get a ton for him. But like, I'm not gonna drop him. You you just hang on to him as long as you can and hope it it sticks. Yeah, I think he's he's kind of in the same, uh, like this kind of the same group as I'll just use a guy on my team, Taylor Ward. Like I'm, I'm not going to get any, I'm not going to get anything of value if I try to trade Taylor Ward, but he's excellent to just have around. You know, mm-hmm. I think he kind of falls into that you know, that basket there, where it's they're more useful to you than they are to other to other teams because they're nobody's really going to give you fair value for them. I mean, that's not a slight towards anyone. I'm not trying. I was not shopping Taylor Ward. Nobody tried to lowball me on him. I I just say like there's guys like that where you I mean, they're mostly waiver guys where you pick them up and they're really they're just going to be they're better for your team than anybody else because nobody's really going to offer a lot for them. Yeah. I think Brandon Drury is kind of in that same category. Mm-hmm. They they either like don't have the track record to say like oh this is for real or they have a track record that says this isn't for real. So like everyone's going to devalue them a little bit. But, I mean, if you got them, keep them, and hopefully hopefully it continues. All right, so that leads us to the last the last player. Um, another one you just got, you got on the first try. I, I'm very impressed. This is the last one, though. This player is the first baseman four on the year and is currently averaging three points per game. But over his last 30 days, he has been absolutely cooking. He is the third overall hitter and is nearly is averaging nearly four points per game. Hmm. That is the whole thing. Hmm. I have I have two guys in my head. I I think I'm going to go with my first guess in uh, who is Paul Goldschmidt. It is not Paul Goldschmidt. Ooh. I could give you the second. Give me the second name because I think the second clue will probably give it away. Uh, well, now I'm not so confident because that Paul Goldschmidt sh- sounded fantastic. My, my other guess was going to be uh, who is Freddie Freeman? It is not either of those guys. You're thinking way, way too elite in the sense of the names. Too, the names are too elite for this segment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe this second. I'll, I'll short. I'm going to cut this next clue in half because I'm pretty sure the, the back half of it would give it away. This player is currently making a Nate Bold prediction from earlier in the year look very so very smart. Ooh. You picked Joey Votto. 
uh, I believe Nate, his bold prediction was for uh, who is Joshua Bell? It is Josh Bell, another member to add to the former Pirates All-Star team. Uh, He's having an outstanding year, uh, and he's really been just absolutely on fire over the over the last 30 days, especially uh, just a couple of honorable mentions who I, I did the game, the game's over, by the way, I don't know if you won or not. I, I didn't get that far when I was planning. I, I feel good about myself. So I think that's a win, right? That makes you, if you feel good about how you played, that makes you a winner in my, in my eyes, but the honorable mentions, uh, I had uh, John Gray, Tony Gonsolin, uh, Med Rosario, Taiwan Walker, Spencer Strider, uh, Kyle Schwarber, Reese Hoskins were a couple other names I was going to talk about, but uh, I thought that that might, that this was probably enough. Um, but yeah, thanks for playing uh, guess the player. Uh, and you did very well with the, with the prime mission statement of the game, except for the first one where you disobeyed the rules, but that's Okay. Uh, let's no, move I, on. Now. I brought it back together real, real quick on Josh Bell. He was, he was drafted in the sixth round this year. And I, I had the option. I only kept two players and I could have kept them in the seventh. So it was, it was a tough off season for, for team positivity. If we're all being honest. I have to reevaluate that the off season, uh, the off season process. Really, yes. really need to bear down this year. This this winter needs to be a, a better winter. The winter of research. Yes. Well, I am looking forward to the battle of the re- of research. Whenever, uh, what if everybody just starts doing research? Is then no? Is it so that now like nobody's doing research? Is that how that works? I, I think if everyone starts doing research, then we've like ascended. Yeah, that, we, I, I can see that too. Then we start going to like medical school or something. <laughs> All right. So the next segment of our podcast here is the matchup preview. Jerwin, give me your thing to watch for. So my thing to watch for is that the year of the prospect is still on. I know we're going to touch a little bit on this uh, later as well. So I'll be brief. Uh, but despite some early struggles from some bigger names, a few guys have been turning it around as well as some other guys getting called up in recent weeks and, uh, and doing pretty all right. Some of these guys already here and some more who get the call down the stretch may either turn into keepers in this league or wind up on draft boards in 2023. So keep your eyes peeled. Uh, so my thing to watch for is I feel like this, my, the reason I picked this is because I kind of feel like it's snuck up on us. We are in the final leg of our regular season schedule. feels like the year is flying. Uh, we just finished the interleague play for, I guess if I, if nobody was really paying attention when I laid out how the schedule was built, we have the first, first, uh, third is the, uh, divisional play. Then we have our interleague play in the middle divisional play on the other end. So we are in the final third of our, of the season. Uh, playoffs are coming up pretty soon. We got a month until the trade deadline, only a couple weeks between the trade deadline and the, uh, the playoffs, so it's it's go time. Uh, even though I've I have said that the the trade deadline I think will be kind of boring, but I do now. This is a reminder for me. I have to uh, still have to set the trade deadline for those who 
We don't know. It's going to be the same the same day as the Major League Baseball trade deadline. Uh, so that's I'll still have to set that. All right, let's move on to our matchup predictions. Uh, the first one, Jerwin, is your matchup. That is team positivity versus gone forever. Jerwin versus Eddie. This is this is really, really important matchup if you want to make the playoffs. Where do you lean on this one? I've got the vibes, obviously. Uh, I picked Eddie in this one because I thought that Max Scherzer's emotional return was going to inspire the rest of his team. However, I did make this pick before his announcement that he is trading Scherzer, which immediately, which I'm sure, immediately demoralized his team. Tough. Yeah. But I'm sticking with my pick that I made. Uh, the next one, we have JC versus Sam. I chose Sam in this one. And notice that, like, I know that he just traded for Tatis, but he still has some reinforcements that are hurt. He's Valdi, Sale, and now Tatis that are all injured right now. Uh, this team's going to be getting some reinforcements here, hopefully soon. Uh, I'm, yeah, I can say hopefully soon. Who are you picking this one? Yeah, I'm picking Sam. He has been inconsistent over the last month or so, but like you said, some of that is due to injuries. And I don't know, I, I still have more confidence in his team despite the despite being a little battered up. Plus, he's got uh, Woodruff and and Anderson backing him up this week as well. So I just have more confidence in that than I do Justin's team. And the next matchup is Big Money Mike versus Nate. Uh, I know we all we we both talked about how hot Nate's team's been. I don't think that that I don't think that that uh, changes this week. Uh, his team's just is on a different level right now, so I'm picking Nate. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, until something changes. I think Nate is top dog. Speaking of research, the next uh, next matchup. Jordan versus Courtney. As much as it pains me to take Jordan after after last week and the hardships that I had to endure on Sunday, I am going to pick Jordan. I, I picked Jordan as well. Courtney still missing uh, her her man's in uh, Bryce Harper. Um, yeah, I, I think Jordan uh, keeps it rolling here with another good week. Just lost Frankie Montas as well. Um, I don't think oh, there's yeah. been any. I don't think there's been any word on how severe his injury is, but that's a really tough break for. It's a really tough break for their fantasy team, but also for the A's because he's really their only trade t- trade chip of any significance. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anybody's really going to take a shot on him if he has a bad shoulder. Yeah, really rough. Two years in a row with some rough breaks for Courtney. Last year was Acuna, and I'm pretty sure there were some others, but Acuna was the big one this year, Montas and uh, and Harper. Not what you want to see. Not what you want to see at all. The next matchup is my team versus Brendan. Uh, even though this strikes me as the trap game, because you know we're coming off of a very emotional roller coaster of a week. 
I am going to, I do have faith in my team here. I'm going to, I'm going to go with my team, Nolan Arenado's we're, we're now not like when, so when my guys are on the field, right. And they look over a third base. Now they don't see some scrub who's not supposed to be there. Who has no business being on the field. with. Now they actually see a real life baseball player manning third base. I think that will propel them to victory. I mean, that is what you want to see when you're looking over at third base. Uh, yeah, I also have your team here, but mostly because I just need to see Brendan lose. So, the, so you don't really believe in me. This is all. This is like fraudulent belief. No, I'm I'm picking your team to to imbue upon you good vibes, which will give your team the victory. So, well, so I, I guess maybe I appreciate that. I don't know. If if you win, you're welcome. Our last matchup. We have Nick versus Scott. No, not really a surprise that picking Nick here. Yeah, la- last week I-, I said Scott was gonna have like his like one of his crazy weeks where like everything just falls into place and he was gonna beat Courtney. That didn't happen. And so I'm gonna pick Nick this week because Scott let me down. Now Scott's probably gonna like go off this week and pull off an upset. So you're welcome again, Scott, as well. That brings us to the around the league portion of the podcast and your league history fact of the week. And you can tell I'm really, uh, I guess, dragging the, my last week out for as much content as possible. While this week's loss for me was a tough one, I am not the toughest luck loser in LEL history. That honor belongs to Nate. In week 19 of just last year, Scored a whopping 500 or 300, 500 would have been really wild, 357.8 points, yet still fell to Nick, who scored just a little bit higher with 363.1. So Nate was in, in the regular season, anyways. I did not count playoffs since those are extended matchups. In the regular season, Nate is the toughest luck loser of a week. Uh, checks out. So let's go to the news and notes. This should be very quick. Um, First, a quick welcome back to Mookie Betts. I'm sure that Jordan missed you terribly. Nothing really to add there. Uh, So let's get into one of your guys, though. Jacob deGrom began a rehab assignment recently, striking out five of the six hitters he faced while only throwing 24 pitches and hitting 100 miles an hour six of them i felt good coming out of the coming out of it and i was, i mean the results really aren't important but uh he looks like he's he's good uh so fill in the blank for me do Gronk because you because you don't really i know that you say you're still competing and everything but this year's probably secondary to next year as i don't think you would argue that Degrom is a top blank keeper for next year well i mean i am a playoff team and a giant slayer but Leaving that aside, um, I don't think DeGrom breaks the top five for me because he's uh, because the discount on him is not that much. I drafted him in the sixth, so next year he'll be a fourth round pick. But I think I think he's top ten in in keepers just because it's DeGrom. And if he's healthy and he stays that way. 
Like he's first three picks material. Like if he was healthy going into this season, I think Sam would have picked him over Garrett Cole first overall. So even having only a three round discount in the fourth, that's still plenty of discount for a player like DeGrom. Okay. Yeah. I, I can't really disagree too much. I, I really like DeGrom. He's outstanding. I hope he stays healthy. Uh, I guess this isn't in the, in the itinerary, but just pour one out for the, the high A or low. A. Well, I don't even know where he, I know he was an A ball, but just the A the young A ball prospects that are struggling. They're, they're not making it. They're not making that much. They're going from town to town. You know, they're just, they're just trying to make it in the big leagues and then you have to come out and face DeGrom. Honestly, I, I think in like the news, those guys. Yeah, I think in like the news blurb uh, talking about DeGrom's outing, it mentioned that like a bunch of these guys are teenagers that, that he's pitching against. So like, it's just, just uh, imagine you're just fresh out of high school bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and then a generational talent comes along you're you're at your senior senior night and then Clayton Kershaw comes in to to close the game (laughs) that that's the equivalent yeah I mean on one hand it's probably probably a lot of fun for them because they just like if, if you accept okay I say that if they had the right mindset if you just accept defeat and go up there with the mindset, like, I'm just going to try to make contact. And if I do, I'm going to look back at my dugout and like, just laugh at my, with my friends. If you have that mindset going in, I think you can have a fun time, but hope, so hopefully that's what they, that's what they kind of went into this thinking. Yeah. The, whoever was the one guy who didn't strike out probably like grounded out to shortstop or whatever he, he managed, like he deserves the game ball. <laughs> he probably got the game ball. Our next bit of uh, next bit of news here is also a guy that you have on your team. Riley Green has had a nice start to his career with a slash line of 292, 414, 417, and 2.72 points per game. I should mention these are like, I think these are as of Sunday, or maybe it was yesterday. I don't remember, but they're not completely current. But at one point in time, this was his slash line, and he had just as many walks as strikeouts. How positive are you on Green's potential? Um, obviously, being that positivity is my identity, I'm very positive on him. But I, I think there's a lot of signs in his game for why other people who might not be as positive as me should also be positive. Like you said, he has as many strikeouts as he does walks, which for with, with how we've seen guys like Jared Kellenick, Spencer Torkelson, like guys who have high pedigree and come up and they're just striking out 40% of the time, 30, 35% of the time um, with how disciplined he's been at the plate. Like that's, that's a big deal. I want to say he's striking out 16% of the time and walking 16% of the time. Both of those are like elite numbers. Now, there might be some regression there. I think his 
his strikeout rate in like the minors and at AAA was closer to 27%. But I mean, he's come up and he's shown the ability to, to be patient. He's not swinging at bad pitches. He's not swinging a lot in general. So he's taking the walks and he's swinging at good pitches and using those to get on base. So yeah, I, I like this first look at Riley Green. It's been short, but it's it's a stark contrast to some of the other recent prospects we've seen come up. So yeah, I think it bodes well. All right, so this next one I'm going to try to get kind of a gauge versus – and I, I picked these guys. They're not all the prospects that have come up this year. It's just uh, the guys who are also keeper eligible for our league. Uh, so I just kind of wanted to get a gauge on where you – where you rank him, where you rank his future value uh, for you among these players. Um, so or you can just kind of tell me if it, you can stop me when I get to a player where you're like, nah, I'd, I'd rather have that guy. That's probably a better way to do it. Stop me when, you, when you'd say, if I, if I had the opportunity, I would trade Riley Green for them straight up. Okay. All right. Spencer Torkelson. Nah. CJ Abrams. No. Gabriel Moreno. No. Adley Rutschman. I would consider it, but being so attached to my players, I would probably pass ultimately. If it's just those two straight up, I, I would think I would pass. And Bobby Witt Jr. I would pass. On Bobby Witt Jr.? Okay. I, 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 I'm going to pass. He's, I, I think he's, He's obviously he got off to a tough start, but has improved, but he's like slowed down again. So I don't know that he could just be like a streaky guy. We don't, we don't know yet. Okay. Um, I guess since we're doing it this way, I'm going to, going to name a couple. We're going to just ignore the keeper value. Pretend the keeper value is the same. Uh, Alec Thomas. Um, pass on Alec. Have to remind me, do you have Alec Thomas on your on your team? I do. Or I, I might have dropped him not. in the last couple of days. I, I had him last week. Yeah, he's still there. I still have him. Okay. Yeah, I just I remember if he was on your team or not. Sorry, I didn't have these written down. Uh Jose Miranda. I haven't looked super closely at Jose Miranda. He's been like decent this year, right? Uh he's been okay. I, I think I'd, I I'm probably leaning Riley still on that one. Okay. Try not to do pitchers. So instead, well, even though he's not technically prospect eligible anymore, but Jared Kalenic. Kalenic. I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. Uh, I still don't. I'm for sure passing on Kalenic. He he went down and he was struggling at AAA still, wasn't he? I think he started to kind of turn it around where um, his strikeouts have gotten back under control to an extent. Mm -hmm. So I think that's that's at least getting better. I did see recently he's he's improved a lot. He's hitting well, but his strikeouts are still not where they want them to be to like call him back up. 
unless I'm thinking of someone else right now, I like just read a news blurb on someone who's hitting well, but they're leaving him down because he's still tr- striking out too much and they called someone else up instead. Another guy who's not who's not really prospect eligible anymore, but I'm going to use him anyways, Alex Kirilov. Ooh, this one's this one I think is pretty close. I mean, I also have Alex Kirilov, and I think I'm starting him in left field and starting Riley Green in utility. I I think I would. Oh, this is close. Kirilov has looked really good since since returning. I think a lot of his struggles were because of injury, especially early on this year. So, hmm. I think I might go Kirilov. Okay, so we finally got one. So we're, that's where we're... I, I mean, the next one on the itinerary was Julio Rodriguez, and I was going to say, yes, I would trade for Julio Rodriguez. So you I was trying, just had I was to trying go to one him. more. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to find some other ones that would be in between. No, that was good, because I, I had already looked at all these ones and getting, getting the fresh names I, I had to think on my feet. Okay, so you're very high on uh, Riley Green, but last one, last set, or uh, last, well, not the last prospect. I'm not talking about it any more than them. Aroldis Chapman returned on Saturday and promptly walked all three hitters he faced. There's no chance that Boone gives Chapman the closer role, but he, there's no way that he gets it back over Clay Holmes, right? I, I'd be shocked. It unless there's some sort of like contract thing that he has with the Yankees or I don't know, some locker room politics. I, I I don't see it happening unless Holmes falls off and Chapman gets it back together. Yeah. I, he looks, I guess this is my second question. Is Chapman cooked? Is this just the end of a role as Chapman? I, I think we've, I think we've been, expecting this i think one of your bold predictions at the beginning was he was going to be like bad this year so i mean it was sorry i have to mention when i have a good take because like the just the joey Votto take is just constantly i feel like it's dragging down all of my bold predictions so i have to i have to emphasize when i get one right it's it's eating you hey at least you didn't say something like mike was gonna stop trading and then he trades while you're saying it um, but yeah, as as a Pirates fan and Chapman having spent so many years in our division with the Reds and then the Cubs, and then also the fact that like one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen in sports is when the Yankees traded Chapman away for like elite prospect talent and then just signed him in the offseason anyways. This is a quick like aside. Completely... Do, you, do you know who they got in that trade from the Cubs? I know one of them was Glaber Torres. It was. I think yeah. that was the only one. I don't. I don't think there were any more players, but I don't know for sure. Still, though, like it. It was. Screw the Yankees, but all that said, yeah, I hope he's cooked. It's. It's been make it stop. Yeah, I think that he's. I think he's done. He was bad. He wasn't that great last year either. And he's been pretty bad this year, even when he's been in. 
So I, I think he's, I think he's done and I was right. And since we're on the topic of relievers, we can also just end with ban the blown save. Uh, it's a nuisance to all of us fantasy teams. Uh, Jerwin, any closing thoughts? Um, don't come asking for Riley Green, I guess. You heard him. Don't ask for Riley Green. What's the consequence if they if they do? Um, uh, rude silence. And if silence and, wasn't bad enough, it's rude silence. Yes, in in a way that you should take personally. That is fair. Anything else that you you wish you wish to share with the masses? Uh, you're, I think you're scheduled to come back on some point yeah Which, I'll be, you're the mvp guest by the way coming on thank you I, I appreciate it uh it, it's it's an honor i i really have a lot of fun doing the podcast um i think i'm scheduled to be on the week after the trade deadline so i'll, I'll be here to roast everyone's uh keeper pools so i'm excited for that yeah that should be fun uh nate will be back next week um i th- I think we have a guest lined up, but I'm not totally positive. Uh, But that's all for us today. That's all for us for this episode. Uh, Thanks for listening. See you next week.